So we got to talking today, and it's been two years since we decided to start this project. Almost to the day. New Year's Day 2017 was the very first, what was then known as Project Challenge. Was that New Year's Day? It was. Well, considering you started the podcast in 2017 and we did Great American Beer Fest in 2018, that's not too bad, right? And we weren't even a beer podcast when we started in 2017, <laughs> so we have to we have to kind of take that into account as well. I'm not used to recording without headphones. With my dad, it was fine. Talking to you here, I'm not used to it, but we're going to have to make this work because, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus. Now, dude, you're allowed to burp on a beer podcast. This is uh, encouraged. the way we're probably going to record going forward. At least if it works, it's much easier than hauling a soundboard around. Going forward is what we're here to talk about today. Excellent segue, dude. You've been planning that transition, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> so we sat down yesterday and we recorded not one, but two BitFace episodes that looked back through 2018. Not only pop culture, but uh, a video game specific episode where you guys handed out some awards. And I thought that tied 2018 up nicely. I figured on uh, over here on Tap In Geek Out, we could look forward into 2019 and see what it is that we're looking forward to, to uh, what we hope to see, and um, even just maybe some far-fledged wishes, if you will. Yeah, I think I can handle that. Eric got a wild hair up his ass and uh, went out and bought some badass new equipment. I did. I bought, um, I don't even know the the make and model. I should have had that out here, but I bought a Zoom, which I've heard a lot of other podcasters use. In fact, uh, Kevin and Steve chewing it podcast I listen to a lot. They use a very similar setup to this. They use the onboard mics a lot. You and I are using our regular Audio-Technica mics, which I think... Based on my experience with the Zoom, I used one this year to record some audio for a commercial. The Using this mic, I think, is better than using the onboard mic, in my professional opinion, because I got to hear both. So this is how I'm going to do it for now. But I'm really curious, and one of the reasons I brought this piece of gear here is because ever since you and I were kids, man, we loved giving, getting our hands on a new piece of tech or something new to play around with. And I like bouncing ideas off of you because obviously I've already figured out how to work it and how to record on it. I've already recorded an episode on it, which is great. But I have a feeling you're going to be able to show me some different shit and how we can integrate it with the computer and things like that. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm always excited to get a new piece of tech. So this is what I bought myself for Christmas this year. Yeah. Well, Merry Christmas to you. It's a cool little gadget. This gives us uh, the opportunity to do things that we haven't done up until now. It lets us be more portable. I think that's very important for travel. I mean, that's the reason it got bought. I can't haul a laptop, a soundboard, four mics mic stands you can do it you can haul that shit across the country but it sucks this i can easily stick inside my backpack and take it with me and if i don't want to bring microphones i still have the ability to have something small that fits in about i don't know it's about two times the size of like a video game like a switch case would be and you can fit it easily in a backpack so portability i think is the key you know who knows you it might end up sitting next to somebody at an airport that you want to get on tape you can go more on the fly with this. That's kind of what I was looking for. So yeah, I'm excited to use it. Hopefully the audio quality is going to hold up, but based on my experience, it definitely does. So we'll see. I'm excited. New year, new gear, man. Oh man. See, you're already bringing like the catchphrases. <laughs> Half asleep. Eric is still on top of his game. I'm I'm starting to get a little bit more energized now that we're recording, but yeah, no, I'm not going to lie, man. I've, I've been on vacation 
I've been doing whatever I want, eating whatever I want, drinking whatever I want for a week uh, and a half. And that that'll wear on you a little bit. That's what the holidays are all about, though, right? Part of recharging the batteries, because come Wednesday, I mean, it, it's back at it full force in all aspects of our life. So, um, yeah, dude, enjoy. I'm glad to have you tonight. It's just you and me on this New Year's Eve, like two sorry saddled friends that are still going to have a, a kick ass time tonight. Oh, I wouldn't have it any other way, dude. We've got plenty of video games. We got tons of shit to try out. We're getting to do a podcast. That'll be done. We got plenty of beer. We got great food. I mean, how else do you want to spend New Year's? I might have needed to eat a little less because I, I think I overdid it. But I look back at that very first episode that we cut January 21st, 2017. And the way that we ended it was with some bold predictions for that year, none of which came true. But it got me to thinking like that would be a fun tradition to establish. The first episode of the year we talk about here's all the shit we want to see. Here's all the shit we're predicting that we see. And then at the end of the year, we look backward. We laugh at how stupid we were. And then we do it all over again. I like it. Let's do a prediction. I'll start with something I think will stick. <laughs> so that maybe when I go back, I can have one point on the board and the rest of them will, will be losses. But let's just uh, it's say it's safe to say you'll see Tapping Geek out at the Great American Beer Fest in 2019. I'll put that down. I like that prediction. I think I think we can make that work a little bit. And I hope anyone that was there, you didn't really get to see us out there, but I was very proud of our presence at the event. We're the only ones doing what we were doing there, and that makes me very happy because I know there's a lot of other beer casts out there, and we think you're decent, but we don't think you're as good as we are. So suck it, 2019. <laughs> And I think leading up to that, this new gear is going to give us the ability to, to do things like maybe record Tap and Geek Out somewhere besides Colorado for the first time. That That's one that I think that we could make happen relatively easily, but it's going to take some effort and, and some mobile gear. I think everything's going to, going to take some effort. And as you probably realized, the more you put into it, really, the more you get out of it. You do get some lucky breaks along the way. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of that, in fact, but... It's because you've been working the whole time. No one just shows up after your first episode and says, hey, do you want to do a con? Hey, do you want to come do this event? That doesn't happen. So we're going to have to work for GABF. But I think we put in work this year, you especially put in work this year that laid the groundwork to where if we ask again, like, hey, look, we were no problem at all. And we brought you guys exposure. Yeah, that's I mean, when I look back on 2018, I know we're supposed to be looking forward, but when I look back on 2018, dude. That fest was fucking awesome, dude. We brought our A game. Both of us did in our own way. We brought our A game that day. God, it was so much fun, too. I think I've said that probably four million times at this point. It was just so much fun. That's another one of my predictions. We really only did three interviews in 2018 leading up to GABF, like brewery interviews. And I think we'll double that heading into uh, October of 2019. I hope people want to come talk to us. You know, I hope so too, but there's a white whale out there that I've been wanting to slay really since we flipped the format. I mean, from the time we were even Project Challenge, and it's because, well, fuck, Eric, we're sitting here drinking a Ford Noses Brewing Company beer, and I don't think a month goes by that one of us doesn't have one of these six packs in our fridge. We talked to Tommy. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name because I know I will fuck it up. And he's the head brewer over at Ford Noses. And he was all about sitting down with the Project Challenge. And then stuff got crazy. He had to go out of state. I think there was like some convention or something where they were attending. And it just, it never materialized. And since then, I've just never been able to get the contact back with him. But he is my big goal for 2019. I want Ford Noses to sit down with Tap and Geek Out 
and uh, talk about their beer. I'm with you. You know how much I love their beer. Bareback Blonde, now Raspberry Blonde, which I want to ask about that a little bit because Bareback Blonde is such a better name than just generic Raspberry Blonde. But the beer is still as delicious. I love their uh, their summer seasonals that they've had. The Autumn Whimsy that they have this year that only comes in a four-pack that's like 14 bucks. I'll spend it every time because it's delicious. In fact, it's what I had yesterday while the Chiefs are beating the shit out of the Raiders. <laughs> but... Yeah, I want them on too, and I'm that'll lead me right into uh, next one to hold me accountable. Jason Lee, Bitfaced, 2019. You you heard it here. Well, I've heard you talking about it. Uh, I'm laying the groundwork, man. Not getting much response yet, but I got to thinking at the end of this year that I'm not going to be able to do this forever, no matter what. Whether I get to do it for 40 more years and I die, it ends sometime. Sure. That's up there for me. If I'm going to do an interview, that's who I want to talk to. And I know he's probably going to be a dick and, and be the worst interview of my life. And it's going to teach me a lesson about how I shouldn't hold people in such high esteem. But at the same time, yeah, Jason, not that you're listening, but come on the podcast, dude. I idolize you and I'd love to sit down and talk with you. I'm looking at Eric's like biography on the Lifetime channel 20 years from now about how he labored for years to get the Jason Lee interview. And then when he did... It was fucking everything he hoped it would be, and then some, and it changed his life forever. Honestly, I would like to fly out to his place. From what I heard, he has his own skate park. I'd like to roll out with him a little bit and, and just talk to him that way. Sure, I want to do the interview, but yeah, he's just always fascinating me as a person. You know, when you look at an actor, and you're just like, yeah, I'm right there with you, dude. I relate to the person that you're playing, and then you see him in something else. And they're a different person, but you still relate to that character. He's like my everyman, dude. I Sometimes when I hear my in-head narration, it's Jason Lee's voice and not mine. <laughs> I just, I'd like to talk to him. So yeah, that's number one goal on Bitface next year besides E3 is Jason Lee. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to sit down and talk to him. And that's what this is all about, right? It is. We usually do this at the top of the cast, but since we've already got, what, 15 minutes in now? I'm going to have to pass today, though, since we've already done my beer. But you guys we can go. Well, let me put it to you this way. We've recorded me talking about this beer. <laughs> Whether that is actually officially been published, I don't know. Uh, I did have a couple really good ones that you guys can check out on Untapped, also on our Twitter that I had over the holiday week. But yeah, I'm pretty positive I've done this beer. If not, it's Upslopes Blood Orange Saison. It's fucking delicious. You can only get it this time of year, basically October through January, and then this disappears. Um, actually, no, I take that back. This is like the fall beer. So I'm surprised they had this. It's delicious. I absolutely, uh, I fucking love it. I don't know what I rated it before, but this is like a 4.5 for me. This is, as soon as I saw it today, when we went to the liquor store, I had to have it. I think our ratings are allowed to change, right? I don't think anyone's going to hold us accountable for that. Yeah, but no, I'm sorry. I should have grabbed a new beer today. And actually, I did look. But nothing really caught my eye, which is surprising because normally I can find something at your liquor store that I haven't had and that looks delicious today. Nothing was really uh, nothing was really popping, man. I think we get a pass. This is a special episode, I, I would say. So there's special rules and we can duplicate beers today. New Year's Eve, the whole last two weeks of the year are really about like we talked about the comfort food, the comfort drink. Grab something that's familiar that you know you're going to enjoy. I think you, more so than me, have been burned many times on air by the whole uh, let's try something new approach. So there's no shame in drinking a beer that you really like. In fact, I can think of very few things that are more enjoyable. It's taught me, though, that I really do like IPAs, but I only like them when they're fruit. 
if there's a fruit involved, an IPA becomes a different thing for me. I don't know if that makes sense because I've liked them all. There's maybe one that was half decent, but I had a watermelon uh, style. I don't know if it was an IPA, but I had a watermelon beer when I was in Hilton Head with Cheech. It was phenomenal. That seems to be the middle ground that we found, too. I mean, that was my maximum when we started this show is like Doug doesn't like fruity beers. And I think that fruity IPA combination. Oh, God. And the fruit sours, too, have been two trains that I could definitely get on board. Fruit salad shorts, dude. Fruit salad shorts. That's a great fruity beer that we had this year. I'm about to take a couple months off again, though. But I drank enough over the last week and documented it to where you guys listening at home will not even be able to tell. (laughs) I took two months off last year and it was the best thing I did just for every, every part of me. And I can feel that I need to do it again. It's time. It's time. We'll work the cast around it too. I know now that is possible. We can still talk about beer and and not have to uh, drink beer while we're talking about it. I just have to not drink so much of it. I think taking a month or two off, recharging your body, kind of letting your organs heal a little bit, if you will, just in general, I think it's good for you. It's it's good for focus. You're literally going to be tempted right out of the gate because beginning tomorrow, the liquor laws in Colorado have uh, changed pretty dramatically. I mean, this is a big one. People think this is really going to affect a lot of things. I don't know. For me, I guess I'm kind of used to not buying beer at the grocery store here. So that's going to take a little while for me to remember that, oh, I can get real beer here. And and let's be honest. What's the selection at Safeway or fucking King Supers really going to be like? Or is it going to be like in Georgia where like Kroger has a fucking beer cave where it's better than your liquor store, I would argue. And it's at the grocery store. So is that the direction they think that it's going to go? And is that why... People are so up in arms about this. I do think that eventually when you design a new supermarket around the pretense that you can sell booze there, that that's where we will get. Now, it's just real beer, correct? Is it? It's not also uh, liquor? Wine and liquor. See, in Georgia, it's wine and beer, but no hard liquor. No hard liquor. You know, one would think that I actually would have like done a little bit more research into like what the law actually is. But you and I were at the supermarket tonight and they had like whole aisles emptied where the shitty three two beer used to sit with signs that were like real beer coming soon. I mean, I guess it's more convenient. And if like your favorite beer is at the grocery store, I mean, it used to get beer in Georgia at the grocery store, but that was back before you could get fat tire. Yeah, it was kind of the beginning of the micro brew revolution So I don't know. I don't know if it's going to change my buying habits at all. I don't think immediately it will. And I think it's because we both not only like a lot of different kinds of beer, but it's ever changing. If my option is between Grapevines and the Albertsons directly next door, how much fucking harder is it to walk another 30 feet to get the selection that you're not going to get at a supermarket? I mean, I'm not saying that it's never going to be good, but you have to think that with a like a national supermarket chain, it's going to be curated. They're going to make selections. It's all based off of like the brewers that they have relationships, right? It's going to be nothing but Anheuser-Busch products and quote unquote microbreweries that are owned by Anheuser-Busch would be my guess. Yeah, but like the 4.5 instead of the 3.2. Yeah, so you can get Budweiser that's 1% better. And some local stuff that is probably sure, good. Sure, But 
again, nowhere near the the magnitude or the selection. And I still think like a lot of the, the little microbrews that we've met, talked to and enjoyed their beer, like they're not going to have the the presence in a supermarket that some of the bigger microbrews like a Breckenridge or a or New Belgium brewery would have. Yeah, I don't know. I guess only time will tell. That's one that we'll have to keep a close eye on, though. I'm excited. I'd completely forgotten about it. And, you know, until we saw those signs today and it's a whole new world of beer getting ready to, to hit us in fucking aisle 12. Dude, you know what I want to see in 2019? What's that, Eric? A screenshot from Metroid Prime 4. Like a picture, something. I, give, uh, give me something. I know the game's not going to come out next year. You know that? I'm almost positive the game is not going to come out next year. Luigi's Mansion is like the big title that they've talked about that Nintendo has announced for release. And it's in the summertime, isn't it? June or July, I want to say. I think you're correct. Yes. That leaves a hole in their release schedule for near holidays. And we know Nintendo loves to do titles in the October, November time frame. They've got an untitled Pokemon game, supposedly a real Pokemon game because a lot of people think let's go Pikachu and Eevee is not, this is like the Pokemon game for the switch is coming out next year. How are those not real Pokemon games? According to people I know that are big Pokemon fans, combining it with go, a lot of people feel like sullied it. Like there's Rebecca's camp that loved it. And then there's Tyler's camp that thinks it's absolute garbage. We got the Metroid Prime 4 announcement at E3 2017, right? Correct. And nothing since then. I haven't seen a picture. How unprecedented would it be for Nintendo to drop a title, say, nine or ten months from now? With the schedule that they've been keeping and the consistency in the games, and there have been a couple, and I can't think of the titles off the top of my head that just kind of came out of nowhere, and people were like, oh, that, we weren't expecting that, but that's great. I don't know. I'd like to see something. I feel like a, a 2017 announcement warrants something by 19, right? Or maybe we never see anything. In all of 2019? Maybe we never see the game. Now, granted, Nintendo has a much better track record for announcing something and then delivering, but games get announced and not released all the fucking time. So it's not like that hasn't happened before. Not a Metroid title, though. I would hope not. Yeah. I would hope not, but I'd really like to see that in... Uh, 2019 i got in fact all of mine are pretty much video games so <laughs> that's one of doug's fearless predictions i think we get metroid this year i think we get it in october or november i would love that i think we all would that was the one that i was most looking forward to back in 2017 before i knew the slate of games that they were going to hit us with from the beginning breath of the wild most notably and odyssey right after that they've done well i still have some problems with the switch it will never be my main console, but it's fun to travel with. <laughs> it is so good for so many things, except for like enjoying games with your friends that don't live in the same house as you. That's such an oversight. And we've talked about that on cast. We don't need to get into it, that. It can't be an oversight, right? It can't be. Like they didn't forget know. to do it. It was an intentional decision. I just think as much of the market as they've capitalized on, that's a no brainer to capitalize on a lot more of it. But, I mean, who am I to talk? I have one. I don't think Nintendo makes oversights. They're like the fucking Steve Jobs of the console world, the ecosystem, whatever. We decided you didn't need that, and you're just going to have to take our word for it. Well, I hope we get Metroid. I also really hope that Mortal Kombat 11 is off the chain, and it is going to be on Switch. 
It is. All three consoles. I don't think it's on PC, but it's going to be on, and maybe it is on PC. Have any of the other Mortal Kombat games been released on PC? You're talking to a guy that would never play a fighting game on PC. I think fighting games are built for consoles and for your new toy that I got to play around with tonight. That thing is pretty fucking cool. Thanks, Perfect Pint Phil and the rest of the people that work with Doug. I had a lot of fun playing Jackie Chan's fighting game tonight. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of fun. He's not being sarcastic either. It sounds like sarcasm, but it was the craziest shit you've ever seen. I'm cooking up some dinner and Eric's up there like fighting a paper mache dragon. No, I'm sorry. Getting his ass whooped by a paper mache dragon. That that game kicked my ass, man. I'll be the first to admit I didn't win one fight. I like ROMs for reasons like that. Like I would never go into a store and pay $70 for that game as like a collector, but it's fun that we get to play it. It's fun that we can mess around with that. Shit, if some of the driving controls work better, like APB is a pitch perfect port. It just doesn't, it, you need the wheel. Did the cabinet have a wheel on it? The cabinet had a wheel and gas and brake. So it was one of the sit downs? There was a sit down version, but no, there's a stand up APB with a wheel and gas and brake at the bottom. So that's the problem with a lot of those games that you and I remember so fondly. I would play 720 with you all night if we had the rotational controller but try playing it on that joystick i guarantee you it's not going to be the same experience that's hard to recreate right i mean cubert is a prime example of a game that's hard to recreate it's a four-way only diagonal joystick you can't go the other uh four directions on a traditional cubert cabinet right god i'm really getting fucking out there tonight <laughs> it's funny though that you mentioned cubert that was literally the first one nikki asked me about when i told her like oh it's not just fighting games there's like all kinds of old school dig dug and whatnot that you can play on this thing and it was literally the first one she asked about is I have cubert I, I don't know i've i've gotten uh through x through z but i haven't made it to the q's yet <laughs> well in the the organization, too, you go through the alphabet four times. What organization? <laughs> well, it's it's a little alphabetical, but yeah, you go A to Z, and then you go A to Z again, and then again, and then a very short list that's also A to Z is what I noticed today, because I did scroll through all 2,000 of them, because that's that's me. I have to make sure. I wanted to see what was on there. And there's a lot of good shit. There's a lot of good shit. There is, and I'm certain that this thing violates all kinds of copyright, but it is uh, it's <laughs> cool as shit. I mean, it all of the box and the manual is all printed in Chinese. If that tells you like what you need to know about it, I'm gonna have to link the Amazon link in, in the show notes for this thing because I, from what I know, it's not like super expensive, but for the couple of hours that you and I have put into it, is absolutely a worthwhile investment for someone who enjoys retro kind of style gaming. I'm looking forward to playing some like some heads up fighters. Uh, a lot of it is the Japanese versions of the game, not the American version. And there are differences, which I was fucking around with Darkstalkers earlier, which I guess is called something completely different in Japan. <laughs> There's also some I've ran into two titles that didn't work. That's going to happen when you have 2000 different games. I think you should put the link in the show notes. If you want something easy, that controller is fine by my standards. I have not had a problem with the stick or the button chat. You can feather the buttons. It's not. Yeah. They're they're good. I'd say go with that. Like, I mean, Doug knows how to build a Raspberry Pi. I have access to one. Hell, I have one. 
But if you didn't know how to do any of that shit and you wanted to play some of this old shit, this is the way to do it, correct? That's got to be the easiest way to do it. It's a great place to get started. That's for sure. And since we haven't really described the equipment, it looks like if you were to rip the controls off of of an arcade cabinet is about the best way that I can describe it. It's about two feet wide, not quite a foot deep. It's about three and a half inches tall, but it's got... Uh, two sticks and uh, six buttons per stick and enough space the, in between. the way it should be yeah it, well yeah especially As someone who plays fighters especially if you're going to emulate a lot of different kinds of games and i think that was the first thing i noticed is not only does it have built-in games which blew my mind i did not expect to be able to plug this thing in out of the box and play it and it was plug it into the wall plug the hdmi cable into your tv done i mean it, it is that simple um more simple than than most consoles because you don't have to fucking worry about wi-fi or any of, the, of those things but on top of that there is an sd card slot so uh in the manual you don't even need enough chinese to be able to <laughs> recognize that if you go get the roms that are in like any of the popular rom formats and, and there's only a handful of them you can download any of the older mime compatible roms from any of the platforms or arcades and slap it in there and they'll, they'll also work i think it's great i can't wait to fuck around with it later i kind of scratched the surface i wanted to uh just see some stuff i'm a big fighting game fan if you can get that loaded up with like i mean there's every version of king of fighters on there every version of street fighter on there up until uh four which you probably have on your xbox or your ps4 anyway tons of good stuff and tons of tons of games i guarantee you you haven't played before and for me that's the beauty of downloading like 2000 roms is you're going to find some shit like that jackie chan game today that was i mean was totally worth playing for 20 (laughs) minutes i mean that that's why uh i mean that's that's why we play right is you want to experience stuff like that it kind of brings back memories of when i was a kid and going into the video store and you know there was a game called captain novelin about living with diabetes and you had to get the shots and shit and i was like they really made a fucking video game for for that just I'm fascinated by shit like that. Absolutely fascinated by shit like that. Captain Insulin? Captain Novelin. <laughs> what's, what's Novelin? It's a drug that you use for, for uh, childhood for insul- diabetes, insulin I think. Insulin regulation? Okay. Yeah, and I was just fascinated that they made a game like that. There's things out there that you'll never see again unless you... That's where I support pirating. You're not going to find this shit up at the game store up the street. There's no fucking way you find that Jackie Chan game playable. Yeah, like instantly. No way. Plug and play. You're right. And uh, even uh, some of the more common titles. Well, uh, not common, but I would say um, titles that people would be familiar with, like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, the arcade version. I was so happy to see that. I'm going to play that later. That's yeah, that's one you can't really get. And the NES uh, Temple of Doom sucks. It's terrible. A lot of the ports were. I could even use Mortal Kombat as an example. Like playing Mortal Kombat on the NES. Oh, I'm sorry. Was it the NES or the Super NES, the first Mortal Kombat? Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo. But it still didn't hold a torch to the arcade graphics, which were not great. They were not great. No. Mortal Kombat came out on my birthday on Genesis and Super Nintendo. Mortal Monday. Mortal Monday. Yeah. <laughs> That's a thing. It was. It was a big deal. That was a huge console release, and that's where the Genesis really kind of took command because the Genesis version had blood, and the Super Nintendo one, oh my God, the first Mortal Kombat right. on Super Nintendo did not have blood, and that was a selling difference between the consoles. That title moved Genesis's. It did, and even the MK2. Genesis. <laughs> 
Oh, fuck. I don't know. We're way beyond those kind of questions. But uh, I want to say even on Mortal Kombat 2 on the Super NES. That, that had blood. It did have blood, but you had to turn you it had to on. turn it on. After that, Nintendo kind of let their guard down and all the Mortal Kombat games, I'm pretty sure, were blood on both from that point forward. What other games do you have on your list of uh, looking forward here? Oh, God. Only one more. I'll preface this by saying Bethesda has been taking a lot of shit this year. And you know what? You deserve every fucking peanut of it. (laughs) But I really hope that Starfield, which looks like Fallout in space, sign me up right there. But I really hope that's their comeback. And I hope if we don't get it in 2019, it's because they worked on it and they didn't release a giant buggy piece of shit like the rest of their games have been, to be fair. But we've given them a pass because the games have been good. That all falls to pieces when you release... From what I've heard, I haven't played it, so it's really not fair for me to judge, but I've heard Fallout 76 is a, just a dumpster garbage fire. doesn't even run. Is Starfield the one that looks like Firefly? Yes. Okay, yeah. That one does look pretty damn intriguing from what we've seen so far. So I really hope that uh, Bethesda's a studio. I don't ever hope for anyone to fail unless they're completely evil. Like if EA took a couple hits, in which they did, so be it. But I want to see Bethesda kind of make a comeback with Starfield. And I really want a space fallout. Space fallout sounds awesome. I think, again, that the thing that I noticed very early was that it had that Firefly vibe, that Wild West in space, um, which is a, a tricky thing to do. But we know for a fact when done right, it can be very amazing. And that that's what I saw. Um, and it may be more than that. And it may be something completely different. I don't know. It used to be nothing but space games, but it was a fucking ship at the bottom of the screen. And it was Space Invaders, Star Blasters, Star Raiders. Like, I want to get a good RPG in space. I don't think we have enough of that. It's been a while since there has been uh, something I would, I guess I would qualify as, as RPG. And you know me, like the medieval shit is cool, but no, I like the science fiction. That'll bring me into like, if I have one wish for 2019, I hope J.J. Abrams can stick the landing. <laughs> now that's... <laughs> because you and I like The Last Jedi. A lot of people I really respect like The Last Jedi, but a lot of people I respect hate it. More people disagree with us on this than agree with us in general. Well, and there's parts of The Last Jedi I don't like, but overall I think it's a great flick, and I think it's better than a lot of the other Star Wars movies. And I loved Force Awakens. I love Force Awakens, and I still... When I put the two back to back and I'll watch them back to back because it's the, you know, it's the new trilogy. I enjoy Last Jedi more. We're getting part three of this trilogy or Star Wars nine. Yeah. In 12 short months. Right. Let's just hope JJ can land it. That is a genuine concern I have uh, for a couple of different franchises. And it's hard to speculate much about uh, the last chapter. Do we have a name for episode nine yet? Am I spacing this? Okay, I didn't think we did. And not a whole lot of information except for we're getting the conclusion of a nine-story arc. I'll tell you what it's definitely not called, Endgame. Yeah, and that's where I was going with this, is that in, what, five months, we get the conclusion of a 20-plus movie arc. At that point, yes. And I, Eric, for some reason... Am worried about how Endgame plays out because as soon as you really start to put your mind around the only way to fix 
the snap from Infinity War is some kind of time travel, I think everything starts to fall apart right there. I think you start fucking with time and I think you lose the respect of your audience. I think you set yourself up for failure with something like let's kill half of the known universe knowing there's going to be some mechanism that undoes it. Like it's been my problem with the storyline from the beginning. It's such a great storyline. It's a great movie. I love it. I just don't know how you go forward after this and expect the audience to take your storytelling seriously. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. They haven't let me down yet. They haven't. I guess that's what a lot of people are hanging their hat on. And it's a good reason. I mean, I wouldn't say that they've had no misfires. I've, I would say they've had very few. And even their misfires, they're still profitable. But even when you start to look at the slate of movies that Marvel is putting together post-Endgame, it seems like there's a lot of uncertainty. And I get that there's some reasons for that. Like, where the fuck are we with this whole Fox merger thing? I know it's a done deal at this point, but it doesn't seem like it's really finalized and they've started like integrating properties. But I know like the property chiefs at both camps have started having conversations about like, well, how do we get the X-Men into the MCU? There's a lot of speculation online that that's how Endgame finishes is that's the teaser at the end. It's like Professor X wheels up or some shit. (laughs) A lot of people are speculating that because I think they can use the properties now. I don't know, man. I don't do enough research on that shit, but good God, that changes everything. And then you do recast a lot of those parts. Well, we know, here's a prediction for 2019. Captain America dies. You think so? Evans' contract is up. And you think they kill him? They kill him or he goes out and saves everybody, right? That's how, that's what Captain America would do. Or I've heard speculation that he ends up back in the past with Peggy and gets to just lead a normal life. When you start playing with time, all things are possible, right? And that's at least what the first trailer, which a lot of people have problems with, alludes to. Ant-Man definitely, I mean, he shows up with the van that he disappears in at the end of Ant-Man and Wasp. I think the trailer was on purpose. They left out as much as they could. Everything, yeah. yeah. They showed you nothing that had anything to do I, I with like story. I like that. I do too. I, you have to appreciate the fact that they've gone to a lot of great lengths to keep the plot line for Endgame under wraps, even if it involved outright lying to their fan base about the title of the movie. <laughs> I didn't like that because uh, that, I feel like they've been pretty truthful up to this point. They've been manipulative but not lying. There's a difference. There's a difference between putting Hulk in that trailer and saying the title's not going to be Endgame and then the title is Endgame. I've, I've got a problem with that. We could go back and forth on that, but do you think that that word might have a lot more to do with the plot than maybe we've really given it credit for? Because it's very easy to point to Infinity War and say, oh, well, Doctor Strange says we're now in the endgame, and this is how his one reality where they're able to somehow escape Thanos' annihilation event, it might actually mean something completely different, and that's why they tried to keep it under wraps as long as they did. I don't know. Let's just hope it's good. I don't think uh, we see the X-Men. Because we're getting an X-Men movie next year. In fact, we're getting two. We're getting two in 2019. So I know we're getting Dark Phoenix. And New Mutants. And New Mutants. Okay. It's funny because I think if even if you Google 2019 Marvel movies, both of those show up in the slate. But we get Far From Home right after Endgame. And then what's next on the Marvel slate that isn't one of those X-Men movies that might be considered a Marvel property at that point? 
Black Panther 2 is next, correct? Yeah, but when? I don't know. I mean, I think next year is is just Captain Marvel, Endgame, Spidey. So at this point, have they left the slate blank kind of intentionally? Again, the sequels, I mean, the Spider-Man sequel obviously announced, shit, it's already shot. Right. And it's coming out next year. Black Panther, I think, is a guarantee. Black Panther was one of the, I think it's the third highest grossing superhero movie of all time. It might be the highest grossing superhero movie of all time at this so point. So we're going to get one or two more of those. Sure. Those were announced months ago, though. Like even, I want to say, right after Infinity War, they had already announced the Black Panther sequel and then Far From Home. And after that, I mean, it used to be there was a time when we knew for the next three years, which two or three Marvel movies we were getting every year, that's stop. We don't have that path plotted out for us like we did before, it seems. Well, in Guardians 3, it had some problems. I think we would have a release date on that had James Gunn not been fired. Oh, don't get me started on that. That's all right, though. James Gunn is going to have his day in the fucking spotlight. Yeah, he will. And I think Marvel is dumb. When you look back on Guardians, one of the reasons that the Marvel Universe works is because that movie worked. You have to think about that. Not that, you know, if it would have failed, that Marvel would be shit out of luck. But that was almost their Green Lantern. And DC's didn't work and Marvel's did. I noticed because we had the great experience of being able to sit down together today and and watch uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which was fantastic. If you're hearing this and you haven't seen this movie... You need to do it this weekend. It's the most fun and emotionally connected you will be to a comic book movie in a long time. A lot of the different MCU properties have been good on getting you emotionally invested. I don't think I've ever felt as emotionally attached to a movie, a superhero movie, as I did with this one. It was really neat. I've seen it twice now, and it was just as good the second time. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. Arguably, Wolverine and him are my two favorite comic book characters, We got to see a lot of versions of Peter Parker, or two versions of Peter Parker, I should say, which were great, but also other versions of Spider-Man. It was so good. Go see it. That's all I can tell you. I don't really want to get into anything, because I don't want to ruin anything for anybody, because there's lots of really good moments in the film that if they were ruined for me, I would have been unhappy. And where I was going with this is I noticed that it was either produced or distributed by an entity called Pascal Pictures. That's presumably Amy Pascal, right? Yes. That's with Sony? Yes. Correct me if I'm wrong, but she has been the champion of getting Sony and Disney at the same table to be able to do something like Spider-Man Homecoming and his integration into the MCU. I don't know where this project originated, but Jesus, the, the script is so tight. And it's just a good... It's a movie that I don't think works live action, but animated, it worked perfectly. And there was a lot of really good uh, callbacks to the comics and specific issues and covers of the comics, which I loved. And the animation style is really unique. I can't point to another movie that I think looks like it or that looks similar to it. We started off the year with uh, Black Panther and we end the year with Miles Morales the landscape has changed a little bit. And I think for the better, because you still got my Peter Parker. He's just fucking fat and overweight. And he kind (laughs) of gave up a little bit, but you know what? That was beautiful. It was beautiful. I'm wondering if they're not telegraphing like some kind of message here that particularly in the MCU, you, you may get, we know we've got a, a Peter Parker right now, but the near future may be all about miles. Sure. And I've got no problem with that. 
I think Peter Parker works as Peter Parker, but I also think Peter Parker works as a mentor in kind of the Batman Beyond aspect where you had, um, I can't remember what his name was, but then you had Bruce Wayne still existed in that universe. Terry McGinnis. Oh my God, yes. Hey, Carl, if I'm right, suck my dick. (laughs) I just realized how many of the things in my list, like even though they're not about games, they still have the word game in it, like Avengers Endgame. And I got Game of Thrones on, on my list too, because we get the last final season of, well, I guess I should say we get the last season of Game of Thrones in its current iteration because they've already got, as I understand it, like five different spinoffs planned, one of which is already like in pre-production. Nikki and I, we sat down over the last month and we powered through all the first seven seasons of Game of Thrones. And it reminded me of, um, you know, how much fun this ride has been. I stand by the fact that the... uh, last episode of season six which is called winds of winter is still hands down the best episode of television i've ever seen i think the last six episodes we get season eight of game of thrones i think it's going to break records i I think is that it is there six left and that's it six episodes and they've said at this point that most of them are going to be more than 60 minutes so i think we should you know estimate somewhere between 70 and 90 per so it's probably more like closer to the actual 10 episodes that we used to get if you add up like the number of minutes you're gonna get game of thrones the same time you get cobra kai season two in april april or may is what i've heard there's no nothing's definitive like it is for game of thrones there's just there's a lot of shit going down in april and may like all of a sudden it seems like that's uh one of my buddies who lives in atlanta i was so jealous of him because he has a selfie outside of the Cobra Kai dojo because it's in Atlanta. The exterior shots are in Atlanta. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. So while you're watching Game of Thrones, which I hope is awesome, I will be watching season two of Cobra Kai. Probably in one sitting. <laughs> <laughs> one sitting like you did with the first season and, and your dad this past weekend. Yeah. And uh I think it's a show you can watch in, in one sitting. It's like three and a half hours, maybe four. And, you know, we, we speculated a little bit on Cobra Kai on uh, one of the BitFace episodes. So, again, check both of those out regardless. But in addition to Cobra Kai, we've got another second season of a show that we're very much looking forward to. And that's days. In a, yeah. Oh, I'm so stoked for Future Man season two. It looks so crazy. It looks to me already like it's going to be more fun than the first season was because they're taking a lot of weird turns and some risks with this season. I think that's a direction you have to go though. I'm excited. It's back so soon. And it's kind of something that they announced. Like, did you know it was coming? I knew it was coming, but not this quickly. I didn't. Let's see. So season one was like late 2017, right? I want to say it was November, 2017 because it's another one that I couldn't include on my fucking 2018 list because it was technically, no, it was definitely on my list last year. Okay, so, I mean, that's a pretty quick turnaround. For something that they didn't even know was going to work, I have no idea how Hulu's schedules work, if they're, like, in line with the traditional studios of being able to turn around a whole television show in one year. I think they can. Yeah, I'm excited because we get that in a few days. That's pretty certain that I'll like that. I don't have to predict that that's going to be good. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's it's going to be. I'm going to predict that we get a Future Man episode on either bitface or tapping geek out in the next two weeks <laughs> have we not done a future man episode we, i guess we have we absolutely have we'll get another one okay oh shit what else is on my list 
you know, the naive 2017 Doug and Eric predicted that our football teams were going to square off in the Super Bowl that year. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think I'm comfortable saying that one of our teams is going to end up in the Super Bowl. This year? This year. Um, My team. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bet I might make with you. <laughs> so, you know... It's it's how these not that I'm going to say my team's going to end up in the Super Bowl, but I think between our two teams, my team has a better chance this year. I think your team absolutely has a better chance. That's why I'd be more than willing to bet on my team because look who won it all last year, fucking Philly with their second string quarterback. I mean, it just seems like that's a thing now. There's no such thing as a team that's so completely dominant that it's just a foregone conclusion. Kansas City looked unstoppable for the first half of the season pretty much i mean they were dominant and then our running back became a kicker yeah (laughs) well in dallas they're seven and one in the second half of the season they started three and five they ended seven and one i mean that's the definition of on fire right peaking at the right time yeah i mean shit i'd love to see a kansas city dallas super bowl if I was a betting man and I had to go to Vegas and put down money, it would be that the Chiefs would end up in the Super Bowl, not the Cowboys. But my bold prediction, since there's nothing at stake here, is that Dallas gets there. In the NFC, which, which is completely doable, there is not a team in the playoffs that I do not think they can beat. We know that they can take down the top seed, New Orleans, because they've done it already once this season. be interesting to see. It always is. The AFC road goes through Kansas City, so if they're not going to the Super Bowl, it's because they lost at home, which... That does not fucking happen very often. It does in the playoffs, though. And, like, I'm not going to bring up the statistics. But, yeah, Arrowhead's not a guarantee. I think this year, though, Arrowhead looks pretty good. We'll see what happens, man. It's fucking football. You know what, though? Like, I would love to just knock the Patriots in the fucking teeth in Arrowhead and go to the Super Bowl that way. I think most of the football world is behind you in that sentiment. I'm so fucking sick and tired of hearing about the Patriots. If they somehow like got a new quarterback and were still good, I think the conversation would change. I think I'm just sick and fucking tired of looking at Tom Brady. And it's nothing against him. He's a fantastic football player, belongs in the Hall of Fame, earned everything he got. I'm just fucking over it. Let's get some new shit in. I don't need him playing into his fucking 40s like he's talked about. Like, oh yeah, I think I can go till I'm fucking 48. Easy. Yeah, you can. But dude, go home and fuck your wife that looks like a dude. Open a car dealership. Fucking go do something else. I'm with you, man. I'd like to see my team play in the Super Bowl once before I shuffle loose this mortal coil. We'll see what happens. Only thing else I think I have, Sunshine Rock by Bob Mould comes out in March. And the first two tracks are out. And if the rest of the album sounds as good as the first two tracks are, not only are we in for a treat album-wise... But I have a prediction that will come true that you and I will be front fucking row at that show when he's here in Denver. I guarantee you it will be. Because if anyone tries to get in our way, we can shove their fucking octogenarian asses out of our way. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited about that. And we got to see him solo electric, which was great. I'm really excited to see him with a band, though. I mean, I think it's two different experiences and one is not better than the other. It's 2018 still, and you and I already have tickets to two shows together in 2019. Bob Mould, whom you're looking forward to seeing with a band, and Al, whom we're looking forward to seeing with a fucking orchestra at Red Rocks. Some little joint called Red Rocks. I could be more excited about that. You might have heard of it. (laughs) 
<laughs> seeing where, where, like, if I could list top five people I want to see at Red Rocks, Weird Al would make that top five. So I'm really stoked that we're going to that. And oh. we've got really good seats to that, too. Oh, my God. Yes, we do. That show's going to be great. August seems like an eternity away at this point. But if there's one thing we've learned is that even at our age, time flies by. We have younger friends and they've told me how 2018 was the longest year in their life. And I don't feel that way. It flew by for me. I don't think they slow down at this point where we're at. And this is a much deeper conversation that I don't want to get into because we are at a perfect time. But time, it's precious. Don't let it slip away. Raise your drinking glass. Here's to yesterday. One more thing I'm going to do in 2019 gonna land a kickflip fuck yeah you will i will do that we'll post it on video on the site when he does <laughs> dude watch what it'll be like fucking next week um <laughs> uh, no it you probably gotta be close no i i haven't really been working on the kickflip my ollies are solid though how's your shove it it's good i can't do it moving yet but it's good that's my catharsis for 2018 i know you say you couldn't say one thing got you through the year yeah dude skating Podcasting was great. Video games are great. My friends are great. I have a lot of outlets in my life. (laughs) But when I look at like the one thing that I kind of gravitated toward, the one thing I could really just only focus on that, it was skateboarding. And I know I'm too old and I know it's dangerous. Yes. Thank you. I think the context wasn't, you can't say just one thing got you through 2018. I think it was, so you're saying only one thing got you through 2018? (laughs) (laughs) Just Doug feeling like a little left out bitch. That's an off-air conversation. Dude, yeah, I, I was like, where are you going with this? I, as far as I'm concerned, we can cut it <laughs> after you said catharsis, but I won't because you're going to give us a great out here, aren't you? Yeah. Here on Tap In Geek Out, we love drinking beer. We love podcasting and we love pop culture. If you're a brewer and you want to come on the show, we would absolutely love to have you. So send Doug or I a message, and we'll make sure to get you scheduled. Check us out on Facebook, on Twitter. All of our reviews are on Untapped, which also go to Twitter. And thank you guys so much for a great 2018. We couldn't ask for a better group of fans, and we hope to continue bringing you great beer, great reviews, great pop culture, and a couple laughs in 2019. From Doug and myself, we are Tappin' Geek, and we're out.